ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. I am the host and the founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. And this week, we are joined by the Investor Mama Podcast, aka their lead host, Jen. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Um, I didn't want to, I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. So please, no, you actually, let me guess. Sim, is it Sim, Symbol? <laughs> so that's actually my maiden name. I haven't changed it. I'm terrible. I've been married now for, oh my goodness, since 2000, my husband will kill me, 2014. And I have not changed my Gmail, but it's Jen Nurse to so actually. I, um, I'll stick with Jen. <laughs> yeah, so that sounds, that sounds I, I got I got one of those last names too. Tara Shuck is a tough one. And whenever someone gets it right, I make sure I praise them. <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> I'll stick with Jen. But Jen, I'm very glad you are here. Uh, you do – well, you are a real estate investor, business owner, and project manager. But you also do a podcast on finances. So please explain to everyone who you are, like what your profession is, and how you – got into your podcast, what your podcast is about. Sure. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited. When we connected uh, through the Facebook group, I saw your post and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an amazing interview. So I really appreciate you having me on. And so just to kind of give you how all these random pieces put together, I always joke and just say that I'm like a jack of all trades. And I had been working actually in the nonprofit sector for many, many years but I always wanted more, always just had this burning desire to be more, do more. And so for years and years, I just read blogs, listened to podcasts, anything related to real estate, business, finance. I always knew that you know financial freedom was something that my husband and I were going to go after and achieve. And so I knew it would take a while to do it. It wasn't going to be an overnight thing, but anything I can get my hands on related to that content. And so we made a lot of decisions in our life uh, together early on that essentially put us ahead than a lot of our peers. And we live in a very high cost of living area, mm-hmm. but we figured out ways to quote unquote hack the system. And literally, we literally house hacked for many years, which is essentially buying a two family, in our case, two family, but you could buy any type, you know, three family, four family and living in one unit, renting out the rest. Mm -hmm. And so we lived in this tiny little apartment and our friends would always joke and say, oh, you, you know, why are you doing this? But that allowed us to save significantly because in our area to buy a house or to even rent, it, it was just absurd. And so we essentially had someone paying off our house and it allowed us to save. And as we got older, we made just different types of lifestyle choices and more and more people reached out and said, okay, like it was funny when we were young, but like, what are you doing? Because fast forward now COVID hit, I was actually furloughed from the nonprofit, which was actually a huge blessing. And I I, I was right about the time I was launching Investor Mama podcast and I've just been so blessed. Like we during the pandemic, I know it's been terrible, but we actually bought another house. We had our son, and even though I'm not working, like we're not for like freaking out like many other people are who have lost their jobs. Mm. And it was just small little decisions we made over time that brought us to it. And so as my friends continued to ask me all these questions about money, I was like, I I know a lot, but I'm sure there's other people. Why don't I just see what else is out there? And so I actually went to FinCon, which is a financial media conference back in uh, September of 2019. And there was a podcasting station there. And someone was like, Jen, why don't you just go in, go for it? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've never done this. I love listening to podcasts, but I, I can't imagine ever recording. Like, that's just, oh my goodness, this just scared me. It's a little intimidating. And when you, when you first actually like look up how to do one, you're just like, oh, that, I have to do what? <laughs> Well, I had nothing. I literally zero. And I just said, all right, whatever. I'm here. Like, if I'm ever going to do it, there's the equipment. I'm not going to buy a bunch of stuff, but I don't even know what I'm doing. And so I just walked in and I found literally someone random that was in the conference. And I said, can I interview you? And she's like, okay. And so we just like played out our interview. It was actually one of my first episodes. And it was amazing. I mean, I just, I was hooked and said, I got to do this. So it, it was, it was, Game over from that point, Love essentially. It. Well, I'm very glad you did. And congratulations on the birth of your child as well. 
Um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you started doing this. And now what exactly, like, what is your, like, I guess your day-to-day main source of income? Because a podcast is a very hard thing to be as a primary job. It is possible, but it's very difficult. So how do you, how do you make, like, how do you, what, what do you and your, what do you and your husband actually do? So right now I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm loving it. Uh, we do own a couple of investment properties and uh, my husband is an engineer, but we're pretty much just living off his income right now and savings because like I said earlier, we made a lot of decisions earlier in our life that we're not financially free yet, but we're very secure that I am not frantically looking for a job right now. And especially mm-hmm. now with two kids that are so young, it makes more sense for me to be home than unless I made some obscene amount of money. And, 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 and to be honest, at this point, I don't think I could ever go back to a W2, but right. um, it doesn't even really make sense for me to quote unquote work right now for where we're at. Yeah. And hopefully your podcast can take off so it can be a primary source of income. Um, so the, and the idea of working from home, because I have been, I have been, I was shook by the um, pandemic as well, but I am fortunate enough where I can work from home. Actually, as of recording this, this is my 39th week working from home. We have a tally going on in the, in the virtual office mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm responsible. <laughs> so by the time this is released, it'll probably be close in the fifties. But um, do you think, do you think you would continue that work from home model, like especially being a stay at home mom, like my goal is to be a stay at home dad and work from home doing podcasts and a bunch of bunch, bunch, bunch of other things with the ambiguous podcast brand. Um, so do you think that would be a possible future for you as you move towards financial independence? Oh, 100%. I, do, I really do not plan on doing a W-2. And the beauty of when you have, you know, when your finances are in, in shape and you have your financial financial house in order it allows you the freedom to make a lot of different choices Mm -hmm. and so we are very blessed right now that i have the options to make different types of choices than maybe a lot of other people might and i know we are just very blessed and we just did a lot of decisions early on that you know we worked very hard in our 20s and our you know our early 30s and now we have we have a family and again it's not that we do need some money coming in. Like we're not, you know, completely free, but I still have a lot of choices. So I'm taking my time figuring out, but I am loving podcasting. Uh, I love real estate and just doing the things that I really enjoy and seeing where it takes me. All right. Now, what exactly is the financial independence movement? Like I have a general idea. It's the idea of, to me, I think it's like more of an idea of like working for yourself and, or bringing in enough income where you cannot be stressed about, finances and bills and all that coming up. Am I close? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I feel like there's, if you ask someone, you'll get a different answer. But for me personally, how I define it is just having the freedom to make choices, whether you're working because you choose to, or you're working maybe a little bit, but to really have money that money is, it it doesn't give you by happiness, but neither does being poor, you know? Right. And so I feel for me, financial dependence is just having enough money that if I decide I don't ever want to work again, I don't have to. But if I want to work, I can work. Yeah, I I, I do. I always go back and forth the idea of money doesn't buy happiness. Well, in reality, there is a sweet spot in the middle. And it also it depends on where you live. But, you know, you see you see these millionaires and billionaires who live miserable lives because they're always working. And then you mm-hmm. always go, well, that homeless person on the street can't be too happy. But yes. they, <laughs> no, studies go that it's between 65 and 85K a year is that sweet spot for like the happiness meter in terms of financial money. Like, would you agree with that kind of range? As an individual. Well, I could tell you, I live in a high cost area and 60 to 80 is a joke that would get you like Burger King. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm joking, but, uh, but, but in, in seriousness, to have a family in a high cost living area these days, it is very hard to live even a hundred to 200 K I feel is more like, let's just get by and save a little. And, 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 and I mean, also living not extravagant by any means, just commuting into work, yeah. maybe taking one vacation a year, eating and not eating out a lot, just, you know, daycare costs. Daycare now for two kids can, it, it would cost us about three grand a month, which is a mortgage. So three grand every month just in daycare. So think about that of how much money you have to make 
just to put your kids in school. Right. Now, how did how did you get into the idea of becoming financially independent? Because you know, like a lot of a lot of millennials, or even people in their mid to late, mid to late twenties, as such as I am, are not so. I want to say I don't want to say we're investing because it's too redundant, but they're not so in tune with their finances. Some people are very lackadaisical. So how did you kind of get into that realm, that mindset of, okay, let's kind of budget and do this? Because my girlfriend's consistently trying to get me into it. I am trying to get better mm-hmm. at actually budgeting. Um, so I'm very glad to get to talk to you because maybe you can help push me into getting there. So how did you actually start in getting into um, the financial independence? Was it as necessity or was it kind of this a mixture of, I need to do something different? So it's actually funny. Have you ever heard of the book or read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No. Oh, okay. First off, you need to read that book. <laughs> that it will. That's a game changer. That is really, really a game changer. And well, essentially the book, there's this guy, Robert Kiyosaki. He has two dads, his rich dad, his poor dad. And he starts learning from both of them. And he realizes he wants to become more like the rich dad. But there's some, it's just that book blew my mind open. And so when uh, I was back in uh, just entering college or midway through college, I had two really good friends. One parent was uh, an accountant and I think the other one was an attorney. I, I don't remember. And I remember I was at my friend's house whose dad was an accountant and he and his wife were my friend's mom were talking. And I remember overhearing him saying something because she was angry at him for coming home so late for dinner. And I remember her him saying, well, if I worked in the city, I'd be home even later. And he had his own practice. And I just remember thinking like that, that's your excuse for coming home late, that if you were to work in the city, you'd be home even later. Like you have your own practice. Why can't you come home earlier? Like to be with your family. That didn't really make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then I was at my other friend's house and her dad was an attorney. And I always remembered he was like at all the games, he was always around and he would she would always tell me that he would like go for the beach like randomly throughout the day and so i remember i was talking with him and he said you know jen invest in real estate open up a roth ira and invest in index fund they're super easy and just set it and forget it but just max out your roth ira when you're young the younger you start the better and then read the book rich dad poor dad Mm -hmm. and i said i want that lifestyle because he he was uh i think he was an attorney and he owned the building that other people that the other attorneys worked in and I, I wanted to be that guy. I didn't want to be the guy that was working and being a slave to their job forever. Like I literally saw the rich dad story play out in my life. And I said, I'm not going to do it. And then after reading that book at such a young age, I knew that financial independence was possible. That I knew that there would be a point in my life where I can maybe not work. It would just take time. But if, as long as I did small baby steps, like if I saved a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there, but I did that for a really long time. I, I just, for something inside me, I knew that it was possible. And I got so excited about the possibility of what could happen. And I kind of just slowly did it. And it's funny because you just mentioned budgets. I actually hate budgets and don't think they are for everyone. I think you have to do what makes sense for you. For me personally, that's helped me is automating everything. And so I come up with how much I want to save first I literally have always just automated that first out of my paycheck, whatever the number is. And if you go Mr. Money Mustache, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he has a great website and a great calculator that depending on how much percentage of your paycheck you save, you know, how quickly you can quote unquote live off that nest egg. Mm -hmm. But uh, so for me though, going back, like I would just automate all my savings and I just got used to living with whatever was left. So I figured, okay, if I want to, higher in X years, I just need to save like 30%, 40% of my, my income. And I always just did that. And then whenever we got pay raises or, you know, increases and bonuses, we just continued to just save that. And we just never let like lifestyle or inflation creep into to what our goals were. And so then after that, we would, we never, I never, once we had our savings, I never really budgeted in the sense of we need X dollars for this X dollars for that. We had a strong emergency fund that if we ever went over a little bit, it was never like crazy over because we once we lived our life, it was it wasn't like we did all these random most like spending things like mm-hmm. we we kind of knew where we were spending throughout a year, give or take, you know, the holidays, more more money would obviously go out for gift giving. But other but even that every year, there was a, pretty much the same dollar amount of gifts. And so we just kind of tracked our spending to see where it was. 
And then we just automated and lived our life and never went too crazy with the budget. Okay. Yeah, definitely all great advice. And this is something you you talk about a lot with your guests on your actual podcast. Now we can actually pivot towards your podcast. But I do want to sure. I do want to also note, like on your website, you do put a disclaimer that um, you are not like you don't have a CPA. You're not like you you're not like don't pretty much don't sue me for a financial advisor if you, <laughs> if you screw up, yeah. right? Um, which of course you have to have that, but. You do give a lot of advice that people can benefit from. So I guess like what is the main the main difference? Because you do have to do that for legal reasons, of course. But would you ever do you think you could see yourself reaching that level to becoming a CPA to actually is that a goal of yours to achieve that kind of title as I can take this disclaimer off? Uh, that's a great question. Actually, I don't want to because I know my friends who have gone that route and then they can't talk about a lot of the things that I enjoy talking about. I never give out any specific financial advice. Right. My whole goal with the podcast is to educate, inspire and motivate uh, my real like I really like to target moms and aspiring moms because I also acknowledge that not everyone can be a mom or it's not so easy to be a mom these days. And so with that, there's just so much out there to provide people with just enough information that they can then make their own decisions. Like I will never tell you what stock to pick or what this, but I will say these are index funds. This is what I do. This is why I like them. If you're interested, like these are resources you can do to learn about it. Or like we use real estate. This is, you know, different real estate strategies or, you know, we're investing in 529 plans for our kids. Well, what is a 529 plan? What are the pros? What are the cons? And just providing people one with the actual like education and then two stories of people who are doing it and doing it as moms or even not as moms, but just hustling or I hate the word hustle, but just making things happen that I feel that could be inspiring or to help people get out of their own way and just really start like their wealth building journey, especially if they're in debt, that there is hope there's ways out they can do it. Or even if you are further along on the quote unquote wealth building journey towards financial independence, financial freedom, whatever you want to call it, that when you're doing it though, as a mom, it it's very different than when you're, when you're solo or when you're just, you know, married, things really change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a question, but I completely lost it. Um, all right, well, I'll get, I'll come back to it. So the name investor mama podcast, was that, was that your first choice? My friend actually came up with it for me. I, I, my good friend, Lindsay, she's awesome. She was like, you're like, it's like investing and like you're a mom. Cause I was at the time I was, so I'll go back a little bit. One of the other reasons I didn't mention that I had started the podcast was in 2018, I was pregnant with our second son, Nathan, and I lost him at birth. And so uh, it was very, very hard time, like really, really hard time for me. And we had just purchased the, a property that was essentially going to be his property because mm. I wanted to have one for each kid. And so in order to just stay sane, like we had just bought it, we were doing a huge rehab project. So I still was on maternity leave anyway. There was no way I could go back to work. I was just not in the right frame of mind. And I started just documenting it and people were loving it and it was just really fun. And then I got pregnant again with our our third, our, our son, um, who was born this past February. But during that entire pregnancy, I was a nervous wreck and right. just really scared and I needed a distraction. And so between the real estate and then the podcasting, I just threw myself into these two things. And Investor Mama just kind of, I didn't want to overthink it because I was overthinking so many things at the time. So it just stuck and I just ran with it. All right, quick side, quick sidebar. February what? Because I'm born February 16th. Ah, February 19th. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Very close though. It's always, it's always, I always like to ask because I actually know like four people with the same birthday as me. Oh, there yeah. You go. My latest one was my got my eye doctor who got my new eye prescription. That was it was the most bizarre <laughs> thing ever. Okay, <laughs> I I remembered I remembered my other questions. So I'm I'm very glad the podcast could help you cope. Um. So like, but why specifically a podcast? How did that, how did that really help you cope? Because a podcast for me is therapy, um, personally. Because I remember like last week I was doing one of these interviews. I was having this a terrible day. I've been apartment hunting and it was just absolutely just miserable. Um, 
and then as soon as I got on the mic, it was just like, oh, all the stress is gone. I just focus and I can just do what I do best and do what I love. So how did the how has the podcast help you cope with the unimaginable pain of losing a child? Well, one, I, I think what you said, just when you're on the mic, there's just something there. And the other thing too is when I was first starting out, a lot of the my guests, uh, when we were offline talking before the show, a lot of them just surprisingly had similar stories to me. Mm. And so it was very cathartic to know, especially all these other women who are out there doing just amazing things in different areas, whether business or real estate or just like whatever they were doing to have gone through, maybe not to the extent that I did, but just some story, like everyone has a story and to hear it and to know that they were doing it, it was just very, uh, it just kind of gave me hope and like these just having these conversations with people I felt that I had known them for years like when I got on the mic with them so I always do a pre-interview first yep and so by the time we got up to the mic we were best friends and I hope if you listen to the shows you could kind of tell like a lot of the guests that I I interviewed we had we have really good we've had you know really good connection I've been so blessed that the guests I've had have just been incredible and every single one of them has just dropped just so many nuggets that things I would never have expected them to say or to to think or to even share with me offline. And so having all of that and creating a network for just for my own self uh, of women who were, you know, gone through different birthing stories and it just really helped. And also it was just, instead of sitting in front of a TV all you know, at night, I was able to be productive and felt that I was doing something good for the world in Nathan's honor. Love it. I love that. All right, so you do an educational podcast, and it's like one of my favorite questions to ask whenever someone does a podcast about educating, right? Um, you people love to throw on the internet or like memes, Twitter. Like I learned more from Insta- I learned more from TikTok than <laughs> I did in school, right? The idea of why don't they teach blank in school? Like a big one is taxes, finances. Like what is yes. a four hundred one k? Right now, yes. did that have anything to do? with why you started this podcast. Cause like whenever someone's saying, I don't know what this, I don't know what to talk about on a podcast. I asked them, is there anything you wish you learned in school that they didn't teach you? And they go, you know what? Yeah. I kind of wish I learned more about, um, like Af- African, African history. It's like, great. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about African history? Well, a little bit. Great. Educate yourself, start a podcast. There you go off on your way. Right. Like this, that, that, that phrase, I wish they taught me this in school. Is that something that you used as inspiration to start your podcast? Well, not necessarily for me in the sense that I wish they taught it in school because I I just, looking back on it, especially now as a mom, they don't teach that stuff in school. And when I see so many of my friends who are just in debt and literally my friend's dad is what got me on the path. But if I never met him, then no, I would not be where I am today. And he just provided some simple advice, you know, was it 15 years ago that I just happened to follow mm-hmm. and just trust enough because I was that naive. But I always, whenever someone says that, you know, I'm in debt and da da da, and they are, they're so hard on themselves. And I'm just like, why are you so hard? Chances are your parents didn't know. They didn't teach you. And you don't, they don't teach this in school. How would you know? How do you even know? Do you invest in a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? What's the real difference? This is like, what, you know, your situation there's just so many things that people, the simplest, what I would think are so simple and people don't even know. And then fast forward 10, 15 years later, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Now I have a family and I have no idea. Like we're in $20,000 in debt. What do I do? If we want to buy a house. I don't even know what my credit score is or mm-hmm. what, how much can I even afford? And so I just, I, I, I wanted to change that. And I feel, especially as parents, not only do we need to get our financial house in order? I feel that it's a responsibility for the next generation to set that example so we can end this cycle of just uneducated people, you know, going through life in their day to day and then one day wake up and realize I'm never going to get away from my job or God forbid, like with our son, Nathan, his funeral costs were about $12,000. Or he would not have had a funeral and he would have just been buried at the hospital as in, in this no-name place. And there was no way I was going to let our son do that. No. And 
I just thought of how many, if God forbid something like this happened to somebody else, like what would they do if they didn't have a, an emergency fund or plan for a rainy day? And this, things like this happen all the time. And so I was like, I, I got to just help people. And I, and I, again, going back, I really wanted to also do something in honor of Nathan's memory. And this was something that I was always passionate about, but then realized this was my purpose. And how could I not execute on my purpose when my son would not be able to execute on his purpose? Mm -hmm. Okay. So imagine... Imagine there is a a recent college graduate. She just graduated college. You know, she's taking her first steps into the real world, has her first job. And she's interested in like kind of starting her own podcast, maybe about something about very similar to finances and like how, how she is budgeting. What what advice would you give her? on starting a podcast in, in the genre that you are in? Like what, what, how did you get started and what advice would you give them for how you got started? Well, I did from a purely technical standpoint, not just finance, but just from a podcasting standpoint, I ended up taking a phenomenal course that I would recommend to anybody. And I ended up taking it more recently after recording about 40 episodes and wish I would have taken it before I started all this recording because when you're in the beginning of just trying to navigate, it's so time consuming if you're trying to build a website and yeah. then trying to figure out what mic to use. And there's so many things out there. And how do you ensure that you're editing and you're mastering and all these things? There's just so, so much. So from a purely time logistical technical standpoint, find someone who has fruit on the tree and just learn from them so that you can skip ahead of a lot of those back-end operational stuff and not get tied down. Then you quit right away because you're not enjoying it. So from a purely technical standpoint, that would be you know my recommendation. And then from if you're thinking of the personal finance space, I would say just start networking with other people that you admire and reach out to them and just say, hey, I want to interview you. Get like It's just so fun just just go just just dive in and so many people in this type of community i found are just so amazing and want to share and want to educate others so just don't be afraid go out there and if you want to just do a solo show great have some fun with the mic don't again people really need this information it's just like you said it, it's not taught in school so just go out there and do your best and have fun with it mm -hmm. yeah the podcast community really is one of the greatest communities I've ever been a part of. They are fantastic. My team would also kill me if I didn't say this. If you are out there, college girl, college <laughs> hypothetical girl, reach out to us. Info, info at APSpodcast.com. We can help you get set up. All right. So did you start your podcast as a passion project or a business? Passion project. 100%. Passion project. Love it. Yeah. Now, would you want to make it into a business and try and actually – make it into a business and earn, earn some extra income from it. Is that a goal of yours? Yeah. Now I've actually switched gears because I realized so many uh, people that I've been in, in the community have been asking me for courses and for other types of content that they can use to one of the things I've been asked is, you know, how do I educate my kids? Mm -hmm. So now I'm creating an activity book for parents on little tips that they can little have, uh, this, I'm, I'm creating this activity book so that they can have little like mini games to do or little conversation pieces to do with their kids so that they can start teaching them about personal finance at a young age. And I'm actually launching a mini course in January of this year to really help people. I found that if uh, people who are in debt, that it's, most of the time it's their mindset around money. And so I'm creating a course of a mini mindset course to help people really dig into their money store, dig deep, figure out where it's coming from, talk about worst case scenarios and help them rewrite their money story. And then I'm going to launch a full course, a longer course. Uh, I'm still not sure if it's going to be nine weeks or 12 weeks, really handholding people and walking them to create a get out of debt plan mm. and help keep them accountable for it. So it's been on my heart to get people out of debt. And now I'm finally in a place now that I'm not working and I have a little bit more time that I can devote to actually creating real resources for people to use. Yeah. Well, I like everyone else has student loan debts. So count me in. Um, <laughs> so would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yes. Interesting. 100%. Now, how do you define entrepreneur? Because everyone has a different definition for entrepreneur. 
That's a great question. I feel that it is someone who does something for themselves to create wealth. Mm. And like whether it's they want to own real estate and start a real estate business, they want to own a small mom and pop shop, they want to podcast, whatever it is for them, but that they are not working for someone else. They have no one else to report to. It's only themselves. And it's up to them whether they succeed or fail. Mm. And you also have a blog, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, how would you describe the relationship between your blog and your podcast? Because I do believe that they, they have the same name. Yes. Yeah, it's all the same thing. So right. when you first start out, and I will say I had no idea what I was doing. And like I said, I wish I had gotten educated in the beginning. I was originally told that you need to produce content like two to three times a week. And at the time, I was still producing the podcast and I didn't have any episodes ready to go. And so my friend was like, just write a bunch of blog posts just to get some content out there just for SEO search. So essentially, that's what I did. And I think eventually I might transcribe all the episodes and make mini yep. blog posts out of them. Or Definitely. I've been thinking about writing a book. So Definitely. the blog is more of just content that's just been in my head that I've gotten out there. But the podcast is more of the interview style format. That yeah. makes sense. My, my whole philosophy is uh, when I'm podcasting and people are going to kill me for saying this again, but everything needs <laughs> to be everywhere always, which pretty much means everything like you make needs to be on as many platforms as possible, including social media, blog posts, written audio, video, whatever, as mm-hmm. frequently as possible. Um, and the way you do that is recycling content. So the fact that you would want to transcribe your podcasts, I couldn't, I couldn't applaud you more. That is literally <laughs> thank you, thank you. the perfect thing to do. Um, like even it gets crazy. Do you know who Duncan Trussell is? No. So he is a weird, he is an interesting guy. He's a comedian, but he's also like a spiritualist, kind of like Buddhist kind of guy. He cool. he um took his podcast guests and took the audio and kind of reworked it and made it into a Netflix series, an animated Netflix series uh-huh. that the name is escaping me. Um, but it's incredible. I was like, wow, this guy is three steps ahead of me. So, uh, so shout out to, shout out to Duncan Trussell. He is an interesting character. Um, okay. One I will say though that I've learned in my podcasting journey though, is that you can do so much like in an ideal world, I would be on YouTube. I'd be creating these little mini videos and all this stuff, but there's also a reality in time. And if, you know, now that we have, uh, I'm in a different stage of my life as a mom, that I'm okay with doing one thing, focusing on one thing well, yeah, and not getting distracted with all the other stuff because it could be really easy to go down a rabbit hole of you need, like you said, the blog post, the social media, and the YouTube, and there's just so many things that I just wouldn't want someone to get overwhelmed that because they can't do it all, they don't do any of it. Because mm-hmm. I think you can podcast and just focus on the if that's something you enjoy doing, you can do it really well and just get really good at that and then slowly integrate things like you don't run out of the gates feeling like you have to do everything necessarily because you you could burn out really fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if someone does have extra money to save, right, if once you become financially free, you know, it's a, a podcast is a lot of work. You can just throw some money at someone else to help you out as well. Um, yeah, like, for sure. Like I couldn't do all this by myself. I have to pay an editor to, I have to pay an editor to edit all these shows, even though I can do it. I am an editor. I've been doing it forever, but it's just like, I don't have enough. There's not enough time in the day and I really enjoy sleeping. Yep. Um, <laughs> so when you first started, what were some of the hurdles you had to overcome? Oh my goodness. There were so many things, uh, <laughs> just from forget the technical stuff of like yeah. navigating what mic to use and how to build a website. I remember I would stay up at crazy hours, just watching YouTube videos. I think the guy's name was Ferdy. Uh, I forgot his name, but it, it, it's, his first name's Ferdy. And he had all these YouTube tutorials on how to build a web, pre- um, a WordPress site and using Elementor and all these things. And I would just sit there and literally like watch five seconds, pause, do yep. the, whatever he says, go. And that's why I like, I, from a, I, I had 50 episodes recorded and waited almost a year to release. Cause I didn't feel I was ready to release them until wow. I had all these things in place. Wow. And finally I was like, all right, I just got to push go. But I had a little, like, all that overcoming of just for, like from the pure technical and then from the mindset 
perspective of I've never done broadcasts. I've never been on the radio before. Who am I to interview these people? I, I don't know how to ask good questions. I hate my voice. Like who likes their voice? No one. And like, who's going to want to listen to me? Like talk to these people. <laughs> and, and I don't even know if I'm going to ask good questions. <laughs> like, you know, when you're first starting out, it, it's just so many scary things, so many obstacles. And eventually I just got to a point where I'm like, all right, I have 50 episodes I'm sitting on. There's good content in here. And it, I need to get out of my way because someone needs to hear this and stop focusing on myself and worrying about me and just like literally get over myself because these people, like I, I knew the one thing I did know is that my guests were awesome and I could not hold that their content back anymore. Cause someone like I was disservicing so many people from hearing what they had to say. Yeah. So and that's kind of finally how I got a little bit over that hurdle to start releasing. How did you decide which one to release first? Because 50 is a lot. That's a lot. Now, we are, we are recording these in bulk and releasing them once we're ready. It's not going to take a year, knock on wood, but 50 is a lot. How did you how did you choose which one to release first? Because that's something I'm personally struggling with. Like whenever I do one of these interviews, I'm like, oh, that was great. This is going to be an early one. Then I do the next one. It's like, crap, that was even better. How do you – it's like pick, it's like, it's like picking – it's like picking between your two favorite restaurants. Well, the reason why I had 50, because at the time I, I was pregnant. And so my thought process was, let me get these all recorded now. And then they'll all be done <laughs> magically. Yeah. Right. And uh, by the time my, my son was born, I could just start releasing them one a week. And that would give me a year leeway to raise my son for the first year, but I'd have a year's worth of content to just mm. drip out every week. That was my original goal, but that life happens. And like you said, editing and all these things. So it's, I, I barely, I had like four episodes ready and I was like, all right, like, like from, I mean, edited and ready to go. I was like, all right, I'm just going to release. And this is going to sound silly, but I just have been releasing in the order that I recorded them because people have been waiting almost a year to hear their episode right. that I just like, all right, let me just get it out. And it's been working great. So I'm just going to keep going with it. <laughs> so what's the biggest challenge you still have today? Time finding the time to get everything done, to edit, to get mm -hmm. it out the door, to keep the website out, uh, website up to, you know, social media, people want to hear, you know, what's going on. Besides just the, you know, posting about an episode release, trying to provide actual content on social media platforms is just so hard to get it all done. Yeah. And you, you'd think it'd be easier working from home pandemic. But then you hear mom, I'm hungry. And you're like, well, gotta drop everything. Let's go. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. And, and I have an infant and toddler and my son's, you know, he's nursing. So they like, I literally have, <laughs> you know, something on me at all time, essentially. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, there's no time and lack of sleep because, you know, with nursing, you have to get up every X hours that anyway so you're kind of just on this exhausted cycle for the first year of your life as a as a parent so that that those the lack of sleep and time have been the biggest challenge you know my main goal in life is to be a good dad but you're making me kind of want to second guess this now i gotta get up every <laughs> few hours <laughs> it's only for the first year and that's, that's a whole year that's a long so time well, I say a year because I like to mentally prepare people because yeah, I yeah. feel that, you know, people said it was hard the first year. And I didn't believe them until you're in it. Yeah. There's, but some, I know a lot of my friends' kids are good after like three months or six months. And I just did not have that luck. And so for anyone who's out there and if you have kids and you're in the first three months, you know, after the third month, it gets so much better. But if you're like, when am I going to sleep again? Like, just prepare for a little bit longer because if it does, like if it's less than a year, great. But if it takes the year, at least you're mentally prepared because I felt like I was not prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wish someone like really told me like, no, no, this is terrible. You'd, ra you'd rather be relieved <laughs> at three months than really angry at four months. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so how much- But I love parenting. It's amazing. So like as much as I'm complaining and not complaining, I love it and I would never take anything back because it is an amazing experience. Of course. Any parent that doesn't complain about their kids is- they're lying. They're lying. <laughs> exactly. uh, so how much how much time do you put into your podcast a week? Ooh, that's tough. Um, maybe like two to three hours, five days a week. Okay. It's about, yeah. It's about 10 hours total. Yeah, between editing and yeah. networking and all that stuff easily. Yeah, that would be like the minimum. All right. 
So we can finally talk about guests. I'm always excited to talk about people who have guests on. Uh, guests is a big part of your show. Um, it's not this the Gen show. It is the Investor Mama podcast. So who do you look for in guests? So when I first started out, I'm going to be very transparent. It was really whoever I could find. No, <laughs> I got that's really lucky. that's nothing. That's nothing to be ashamed of. All right, that's that is perfectly fair. You just you just want content. You want stat. Yeah, and then I was a little bit more strategic in like areas that I was really interested in learning myself or people who were on the space. I look on Instagram for people who had huge followers, or I listened to some of my favorite podcasts and who was guesting on those, and then I just prepared a really good intro. I guess it was good because mo- like no one said no to me and I got some really great people that are quote unquote big in the personal finance space to mm-hmm. come on. And I think it was just because, you know, of my lens of being a mom and, a, a, you know, wanting to help women that a lot of people just really love the mission. And so then I just started, you know, getting bigger, quote again, quote unquote names and also people that, when I would, you know, go in different groups and kind of hearing their story, I would read. And if I thought this is someone that could inspire somebody else, or they had like a really good, you know, something in their life happened that I thought would be very relatable, or their journey was would be cool. Uh, those are the, I guess, the types of people that now I'm I'm looking for. Okay, definitely. Um, are you familiar with CNBC? Make it. They do a YouTube series called Millennial Money. No, I'm not. So what they. I'm- what they do is they – my girlfriend got me onto this. I had to make sure – I had to look it up to make sure <laughs> I got the name right. You're welcome, Jazz. Um, but what, what, <laughs> millennial, what, what Millennial Money does is they take a millennial. Um, they get, take their salary and they say what part of the country. And so I go to YouTube. The first one I look up is living on 58K a year in Dallas, right? So you can kind of get an idea of how those people live on their budget in the, per, in the location they're in. Um, so I think that would be something that's right up your alley to talk to those kind of people. Yeah, that would be very cool. Like right now, I have so many people who want to get on the Investor Mama show. I am just so backlogged still that I've been I haven't been turning people away. I've just been saying reach out in a couple of months and I'm gonna start to really sift because I still have a huge list of people that I think would ha- be amazing and just have such gr- you know, either they're podcasters themselves and have really great content or had a crazy personal story or are, uh, you know, in a certain profession that can educate whether they have a side hustle that they do that I think would help moms or they, you know, I just interviewed somebody who had to go through, for, they had a lot of fertility issues and she found a way to quote unquote, hack the fertility system to get cheaper fertility. And so I just did an interview on that. So I try to also find topics that gear towards women too mm-hmm. in helping them save or uh, an, another example I'll, I'll just give is, you know, as women, oftentimes we become caregivers for our parents. So I did a whole episode on Medica- Medicare and how to help your parents navigate it, especially if you become more of their caregivers. So things like that. So really those are kind of who I'm looking for. But once I get through my list i i yeah that would be awesome thank you so much for sharing that are a lot of well first off a backlog that's the best problem you can have you have too many people who want to be on so consider me jealous but now that's an interesting question are are a lot of the people you bring on also podcasters i'm just make a big way to find them is through part of the podcast community and um when if they're not podcasters is that kind of like a Oh boy, how's this going to go? Because if you talk to a podcast, you already know they're going to be comfortable talking because they already do it. Uh, no, if you if you listen to the Investor Mama show, a lot of them are not actually podcasters. What I find has really helped is the pre-interview. Mm-hmm. I make it very relaxed and I say when you're on, uh, you know, it's just a conversation. Don't worry about whatever we can edit. And then a lot of editing goes in, but... If the person has something that's really important to share, I don't, I don't, you know, look down if you're not a podcaster or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And do you do a lot of research on your guests? You kind of just, obviously with the pre-interview, you kind of get a lot of background. But before that, do you do your homework on guests, certain guests more than others? Or are you kind of just like, you know what, we're just going to go in cold and let it rock? 
It really depends on the guest, but I'll be again very transparent. I also my time is so limited. Right. I if someone wrote a book, chances are I probably have not read the book unless some of them are I'll, I'll skim it or I'll get you know insights of what it is. But for the most part, it's pretty much let's just have a conversation. Love it. Personally, that's the best way to. I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, the yeah. P, the P stands for personal and podcast. Um, yes. Oh, I like that. That's very. Well, I like that a lot. Well, so I have a whole acronym. Again, people are going to kill me for saying this, but podcast is a. No, go for it. It's a personally oriented discussion centered around select topics. Mm, I like that podcast. That's I, really. Good. I couldn't sleep one night, and I was really struggling on the O. So that's <laughs> that's how I came <laughs> up with it. No, but it, it flows so nicely. It that's, works. And you're so it's so true. You're right. And that's what I think the beauty of podcasting is, is that you build that connection mm-hmm. and you just like someone you may never like you and I have never met, but we can have this totally in-depth, normal conversation. Mm-hmm. And then someone gets to listen in to this and they're drawn in just to how you and I are talking and relating and hopefully learn something and apply it to their life. Do you do you think you do you consider yourself like a a character on your podcast? Like, like when I do my wrestling podcast, I am I'm I'm me, but I'm me turned up to like twelve. I'm very silly. I'm very goofy. I'm very funny. It's very unlike me in real life, and I do that because it's fun. I also do it kind of on purpose because I want the audience to connect with me personally as well as the content I'm talking about. So I would, it's funny, I I was actually just talking to someone about this, about, you know, before you start your show, figuring out your character, you know, who do you want to be? And I don't, I just don't have the energy to be anything but just me. (laughs) Because, you know, if I'm like amped up, I can be amped up for only so long, and then I come down and I don't want to ever be inauthentic. So when I get on a mic, I'm just me, normal, casual like this. Let's just have a conversation and have some fun and see where it goes. But I don't really consider myself a character or anything. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Nate, um, uh, financial advice is a lot different from wrestling. So <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, grant, I'll grant you that. All right. So when, when you are finding guests, do you prefer someone who is already successful? Do you prefer someone who is like just starting who's struggling or do you prefer someone kind of in the middle who's on their way to success? I like all three. I think all three provide value depending on where the listener is on their journey. Some people are in the very beginning. Some people are already further along and some people have succeeded, but you know, just want to hear other success stories too. And I think you gotta, it's like, you gotta provide all almost because even if you are at the beginning, you want to know where you can go. Yeah. And sometimes when you're moving forward, it's good to look back to see how far you've come. And so I, I don't really look at that as a criteria on where, and I've had really great conversations with people in all three of those categories. Uh, Let me rephrase then, which of those three do you think is most beneficial to your audience? Hmm. I know that's that's a tough one because I don't even have it an answer really, for it. It really is because I've heard from different people that they've really related to so many different episodes that I wouldn't have thought of. I don't know if I can answer that. I, I think I really think it depends on the listener and where they themselves are mm. at. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because like that that whole podcast you did. Um, with that woman who lived out of her car and then hearing her story about how she became a big success. You know, like that, that's just like, it's like, okay, I got to start doing my budgeting now. I got to, I got to go, I got to get up and do something. I got to stop. I got to put down the mic, put down the editing software and just look at my bank statements. Yeah. So, and, and then if you listen, I had another episode with Maria Fristrom. She was already on the path, but then she literally almost died during childbirth. And so she was like further along, but then had to like revamp. And then she's like now light years ahead in her real estate business. But then she hit something else crazy in her life. She also lost her her daughter actually just two months ago. And so her journey is all over the place. And so I, you know, when we recorded it, she was at one point in her life and people were listening. And then now knowing her story of where she is, they just found so much value because even if you are far, life hits and things happen. And mm-hmm. so- you just never know. And that's why I think I will say that I think having the personal touch, the story, because, you know, personal finance, like everyone has their own, you know, relationship with money. But I think it's the stories behind it that really also make the difference. Mm-hmm. Now, you you do target 
women, obviously an investor mama. You talk to you talk mm-hmm. to women. You you target audiences women, but is your audience mostly women, or do you see that men really enjoy this too? I have a lot of men who love the show, and I think for two reasons. One is that they like it for their their significant other. And I think there's also just in the podcasting community, a lot of male dominance to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I've heard at least that they are curious of kind of like a woman's take on, on, on the personal finance space. And also too, like a lot of my content, it doesn't, yes, it's geared towards women, but a lot of it's just parenting in general too, tied with personal finance. So a dad can relate just as easily as a mom in a lot of the, in a lot of the shows and a lot of the content that's provided. Yeah, men can't necessarily relate as much as being a mother in nursing. Definitely not nursing. No, yeah, <laughs> no, but they know like okay, your kids, you know, if you're going to go let's say say real estate investing, if you're trying to find a property and your kids screaming in the back seat, like what are you going to do to just get right. them or like what are you teaching your kid? <laughs> right. So that you can go in and like get your tenants rent. <laughs> like Right. Or, we, like, or even like, like even like making sacrifices. Like listen, you're trying you're trying yeah. to save a quick buck. Man, I know you love your beer, but just put it down. Right? Yeah. Or, or or like man, I know I know you I know you really want to go to that Knicks game. I really really want to go to that football game, but listen, it's 100 bucks. That 100 bucks can go right to your loans or right to your mortgage. Yeah. So it, it yep. definitely is across applicable but i really do enjoy the fact that you do target women um because you know that it is that that whole movement of pushing women towards the like the the financial careers like the 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 stem even if you will the stem careers Mm -hmm. to say hey you can do this too um it's just i'm very glad that you do this show for that because i think it's Ah, it's a movement it's a movement that's definitely growing continuing to grow and again, it's something that women are more interested in. So you're hitting that target market right where you need to hit it. Yeah. I mean, I just had so many of my friends who, you know, they, like, like, you know, you, they have student loan debt and now they're in their early thirties and they're like, oh my God, I still have crazy loan debt. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to pay this off. But like now I want to start saving for my kids college. How can I, how am I going to ever like walk away from a job if God forbid something ever happened? Because once kids come in the picture, things change. The mindset everything shifts. Changes. Yeah, so now it's just not about you anymore. So it's not just your money. Like You want to make sure like, you know, you could live off ramen noodles, but then when you have kids, you can't live off ramen noodles anymore, you know? Yeah. And if you're in debt or not even in debt, but you just don't even know what you don't know, or like, how do you, like what investment vehicle should I have for my kids? Or how am I going to pay for college? Like all these things are, oh my God, my parents are really sick now. I never thought this would happen. And now it's really on me. How am I going to pay for their care? What care do they need? Like all these things come up as you get older and there's really not a lot out there. And even the stuff that is out there is there's just so much information and how do you sift and even the whole, you know, not not to get too into the weeds with the personal fine, um, financial like advisors and all that but it's hard to even know who to trust right and so to just have some like education that's not biased that's not there's no agenda and just learn and pick and choose what works for you and also to you know someone who you can relate to is i think another big part you know it's not some old 50 year old man or six, you know, 60 year old man who, and I also, you know, who's typically white, you know, when you think of a financial advisor or something Mm -hmm. telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that. And you have no idea even like what, like what they're talking about. It's just, I think helpful to have something that you can listen to or, you know, and other women that you can relate to, to like really go through some of the nuances of being a parent, being a mom. And then this whole thing of money and what do I do with it? Mm Mm-hmm. I am a 25, well, that time is really, I'll be 20, I'm a 25, 26 year old male. I live alone. Um, and I'm moving into a new apartment that's a tiny bit borderline on my price range. I'm paying a little bit more than I want to pay for it, but I don't really have a choice. Um, I'm in a relationship. I have debt. It's not out, it's not overwhelming debt. I do work 40 hours a week. I make enough money. But what, like, what would you tell someone like me is the best way? to save money. And I asked that question last because this podcast is not about me. Sure. No. Okay. So two things I would say. First thing is since you are young and you don't have kids yet, I absolutely love the strategy of house hacking. 
And I would tell anyone to do it. If instead of putting like housing is one of your biggest expenses, you have housing, you have yep. your food budget and you have your car budget. And if you can, so for us, when we house hacked, our goal was just to come out even and not necessarily cash flow. But with the house hacking strategies, there's different loans because if you're going to move into a house, you're, it's not considered an investment in the eyes of a mortgage company. And so you get a lot of very friendly loans that you are eligible for. And so one of them is an FHA loan, which means you only have to put down three and a half to five percent. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not telling you you should do that. But if, if you were to buy a pure investment property, you're talking like 20, 25 percent down. So if you can put some, like not a lot of money in. Buy something that, you know, factoring in your vacancy and, you know, capital expenses and, and um, you know, any like maintenance costs, but just come out like even and not necessarily like don't lose money, but that you can maybe live in a nicer area, save a lot, completely reduce your housing expenses because now you have someone essentially paying your mortgage, you have an asset. So even if you're not making money, your housing expenses now significantly reduced, you can take that money invest it. And I'm a big believer, just start simple. I, I never tell anyone like specific investments, but I love low cost index funds that are like typically that are the total market. So like having a Roth IRA, just maxing those out. And just really, if you can try to save 30 to 50% of your monthly income, you are going to be set in the next 10 years. And you're so young now that like anyone can do any, I feel like when you're young and you're, you don't have a family, it's like the best time to get ahead. Like mm-hmm. you can totally optimize those years. So if you get your housing costs in order, you don't buy a crazy car and you don't eat out every night and you just save like, you know, here and there, you're, you're going to be so good when you're in your mid thirties, you're going to be like, Oh my God, thank God I did that. I have a few of those boxes checked off. All right. Well, I'm not, I'm in no position to buy a house, but in a year or two, I'm probably going to start investing in a property. So I'm going to mark this audio and save that clip for a few years. Um, yeah. Do the, the house hacking <laughs> strategy is amazing because you buy it, you live in it. So you get hands-on experience of what to see if you even like being a landowner, a landlord, whatever you want to call it. And uh, like for us, we live in a class neighborhoods, which are like the nice areas that if we were to have bought a house out of college, we never would have been able to afford it. Right. And even renting in our area is ridiculously high that we were able to save significantly while everyone was you know, renting and getting their first starter home and dropping all this money. We essentially had someone paying our mortgage. And it, because right. we didn't need a lot of money, like for a down payment, we, we didn't have, it wasn't such a, a huge hurdle for us to get into our first investment property. And I wish we would have done this more. We only did it twice. I wish we would have done this like three or four times. If I would have known what I know now, then I would have said just house hack like every year, get a new property because you, you can do it every year. Essentially, if you refinance out, get like four or five properties and then you're done. <laughs> like you don't need to do anything else. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. All right. Last question. Sure. Where do you want your podcast to be in six months to a year? Oh, I would love to. I would love to have uh, a thousand downloads per episode easily. And to, and I I shouldn't even say that. What I really want is just to have a real impact on people. I said, I, I gave that number because that was literally what I was looking at today from a pure, like, you know, you know, money um, numbers, numbers goal. But uh, I just want to continue to hear the positive stories from people that ha- like love this episode or love this guest mm-hmm. and, you know, did something different with their life because that's really what is meaningful for me. But from a business standpoint, yeah, I would love to have a thousand downloads per episode in the next six months. All right, hey, both of those, both of those are perfectly fine and amazing goals to have at the exact same time. You checked both you. boxes. Well, Jen, thank you so <laughs> much for being here, a guest on the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. Now, if someone here is interested in learning about your show or your website to learn more about what you do and how they can reach out to you, please let everyone know where to find you, your podcast, your website, your blog, your courses. The floor is yours. Plug away. Thank you. So I like to keep it simple. Just go to InvestorMama.com. If you want to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever, email, just go to InvestorMama.com slash connect. uh, And you can find everything there. I I try to keep everything as simple as possible. So again, InvestorMama.com or InvestorMama.com slash connect. You can find the podcast there. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, 
TuneIn, iHeartRadio, really Google Play, everywhere you can find the Investor Mama podcast, you can go there. So. All right. Amazing. Guys, go and check out the Investor Mama podcast. Jen, thank you again so much for being a guest. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was a pleasure to have you. And I definitely learned a thing or two. I hope everyone else can walk away with a little bit more information as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I love what you're doing. I think it's great that you're providing support for other podcasters because we really need it. And I think the work that you and your team are doing is awesome. So, and kudos to you with everything you have going on. Thank you. I truly appreciate that. And if you want to help us out more, go to ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. If you have a podcast or are interested in starting a podcast, please reach out to us. You can reach, you can find me, Will, at APSpodcast.com or my team, including Jared Laverne, Nash Moore, or Luke Morey at info at APSpodcast.com or reach out to them individually. It's just their first name at APSpodcast.com. We do everything from editing, promotion, uh, marketing, editing, live streams, videos, anything to do with a podcast, we do it all. If you need a website built, we can do that too. And if not, just drop a listen, drop a like, drop a subscription, you know, the whole nine yards. You all do it, all podcasts, you all do it, you all know what it is. We'll be back next time with a brand new podcast guest and maybe a brand new host. We'll see. But until then, you take care and have a good one.